Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Would you like to contribute to the conversation? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, what condition conversation was in. Jay Talking with Bradley Jay. I listen to morning with the sun up. I'm busy. WBZ News Radio 1030. I tune my radio to AM 1030. The radio's all yours now. I talked to a man whose name is Bradley J. Improved my mind in a wonderful way. I just called in to see what condition conversation was in. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, what condition conversation was in. WBZ, you're Jay talking. We're live midnight to five. I'm Bradley J. How do you do? Back from vacation. Very glad to be back. Got a book in the mail. Seemed very interesting. And in fact, it is interesting. And it's Gold Digger, The Remarkable Baby Doe Tabor. And the author is Rebecca Rosenberg, who's with us. Rebecca, hi. Hi there. You grew How up. How are you doing? Very well. So you I grew love that. I love that song oh. that you just sang. Oh, good. <laughs> it's a great song. Now, you grew up out in the West, correct? And you would hear the story of Baby Doe Tabor. Tell me about your childhood and how you came across this. Sure. Actually, it's Baby Doe Tabor. Tabor, okay. So just, just Tabor. And I grew up in Colorado, and I found out about this 22-year-old girl who had come west for a gold mine with her husband. And a year later, he has left her abandoned and pregnant and working the gold mine alone. So that has always intrigued me, and her story couldn't even get better. So you, uh, an- we have we have an hour, so we have all kinds okay. of time to be extremely detailed. Okay. And I'm I'm more more interested in the beginning here about your, you know, your childhood. You you draw you read that your or you stated that your parents would take you driving around and you'd see. See things <laughs> about about Baby Doe Tabor. How how did you, how did you come in contact with these? That's information. Okay. Well, in Colorado, you can just get in your car, your old station wagon, and go through the mountains. And we would go through all the gold towns and the ghost towns. And you actually could pan for gold and go in the old mines and go to the honky-tonk towns and listen to the music. And there are many characters that come alive in those towns, and one was this baby doe Tabor. And as a young girl, naturally, I was drawn to her and her story and how she was all alone and what she was able to do way back. This is in the, before the um, 19, it's, I'm sorry, 1878. So it's way back in the gold rush times. And there were hardly 
any women there at all. So it's really fascinating. What towns did your parents drive you through, like Durango and Silverton? And, and that? Oh, you're good. You know all that territory. Actually, the Tabers had gold mines and silver mines down in Durango and Silverton. And, and down there in that area that you're talking about, there are those gigantic sand dunes. Have you ever seen those? No. Right Right in the middle of Colorado, you have gigantic sand dunes. You feel like you're in the Sahara. So, yeah, we would go down there. That's south. But also in all the mountain towns up by, well, Aspen and Central City and Leadville, Colorado. In fact, I just did a book tour for Gold Digger, the remarkable baby doe Tabor, all through those towns. And Leadville is um, right off Highway 70, and it is phenomenal because it looks exactly like it did in 1878. Still has the Tabor Opera House and the Matchless Mine, which was their biggest, richest mine. It was really exciting. How about that? How about over near Crested Butte? And what, what's the town you fly into when you go to Crested Butte ski area? So. Oh, you got me on that. Um, I'm not sure. Would it be? I'm not sure what town you'd name a town. Fly into. It's right, <laughs> it's right on the tip. Name. Did you ever go through yeah. the Red Mountain Pass and those passes that go down to the next state? Um, is are you talking about going down to the Four Corners there? Yeah, down that way. Those those yeah, passes yes. are pretty intimidating. Yes. Okay. Well, driving in Colorado is very intimidating with all the hairpin curves and and the cliffs but i i have pictures of the old stagecoach trails and if you can imagine these mountains in colorado that are fourteen thousand feet high and they would do a little four foot trail uh, against the mountain for the stagecoaches to pass oh man so that's that's really intimidating yeah absolutely now <laughs> tell me more about uh the backstory on Baby Doe Tabor and her original husband that she brought with her, or that brought okay. that brought her here. There. Well, they started out in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, in um, 1878, and there had been lots of great fires in Oshkosh, and it had burned most of the town. And in fact, Baby Doe, she was named Lizzie doe at the time and she grew up as one of 13 siblings her father had a haberdashery and he had a theater also that she would play act in and her brother would be the theater manager but all of that got burnt down in the fires so to earn money for her family she figured she had to marry the mayor's son who was harvey doe and they went west for his father's gold mine. And then she felt like she would um, be able to earn money and send it back to her parents. So she really was doing it out of the, you know, out of her heart, wanting to help her parents, but it didn't quite work out that way. How would a woman make money in those days? What was her plan to make money to send back? Well, she, she was going to, because they were going to work the gold mine, and she thought this would be easy money, and her husband thought it would be easy money. But it turned out to be extremely hard. And one thing I learned about when I was researching Gold Digger 
is there were three kinds of mining in those days. First was just panning for gold, and that is when you have a pan and you kneel down in a river and you scoop up the sediment and, you know, you get the gold. That way you see little nuggets in the bottom. And that's the kind we used to do as kids. That is a lot of fun. But then it got to where they wanted to find out where that gold came from. And so they would track down the wherever that vein was, and they would start digging into the rock. And that was hard rock mining. And the mines up there would actually, they would dig a tunnel into the mountains, and then they would build kind of an underground hotel, you know, with tunnels and with shafts going vertically and tunnels going horizontally. And they could be 14 stories high underneath the mountain. And the men would have to work down there all day in the dark without air. And they had their um, part of the in the book, you'll see that they actually would send down their mules and donkeys to help them work. And those mules and donkeys never came out again. So it's a very, very hard life. And so what this young couple thought was going to be easy money turned out to be way too hard for the mayor's son. And he just um, he started drinking and hanging out with the um, ladies of the night, which they had in Central City, Colorado. By the way, that that was the first town they went to, Central City, and it was known as the richest square mile on earth because they had found so much gold there. But by the time the does came there, it had all been mined out. So there wasn't any gold left. It was about two or 10 years too late for the gold rush. So this young couple was very discouraged and he abandoned her. And so she ended up working the gold mine alone and she was pregnant. So, so wait, she uh, found so Go ahead. just because he could find no gold, he abandoned her? What kind of well, d- dirt head is that? <laughs> he was crummy guy. Um, he abandoned her because it was too hard. The work was too hard. And his mother called him home to visit, and so he left her there in the mine and said he'd come back, but he never came back. I know. I still have trouble with It's too hard. I'm leaving you. Why didn't yeah. you say it's too hard. We're wimp. going home together. That seems, you know. There you go. He was a wimp. <clears throat> wow. And he was going he was going out on her with the girls. So the girls, um, the prostitutes in those days would have little houses called cribs on the edge of town and he would just stay down there. So he was a rat. And she um so this in in that year in eighteen seventy eight only a third of people ever got a divorce, one-third of a percent. I'm sorry, I said a third, but I mean a third of a percent. So today it's 50%. Wow. But in those days, no one got divorced. So one of it was like, it used to be like one in 300, now it's one in two. (laughs) A a woman from uh, Oshkosh came out with a man to... Strike it rich in the in the gold rush in Colorado, but they were there ten years too late. The guy got despondent, abandoned his pregnant wife, and it was it was hanging around with prostitutes, and he he took off and left her there. 
And that's where we pick up the story. But we do have someone from Maine, this state of Maine named Micah, who wants to make an observation or ask a question. I'm hoping that it is uh, relevant to the story here. Hi, Micah. Good morning. I heard you talking about baby doe, and I was wondering what the relationship was. Whenever I think of baby doe, and I used to live out in Pueblo, Colorado, when I wanted to impress someone, we would go out to Denver, and I would take them out to Baby Doe's Matchless Mine Restaurant, which was on the west side of Denver, and would look down on the city of Denver, and it was named after Baby Doe, and it looked like a mine when you were inside and had a gorgeous view of Denver and Route 25. Other than the name, was there any relationship to Baby Doe, and what happened to the restaurant? You know, I don't know what happened to that, except that it it was a chain because I've heard of them in Dallas and I think in Oklahoma also. And it's too bad. And I never got to go to that restaurant. But, of course, um, Baby Doe Tabor is their most famous miner in Colorado. So I'm sure that whoever started that restaurant really was impressed with Baby Doe and, and did the mine theme around that. So that's cool. I think you should start one up, Micah. Well, if I do, I'll invite you, and, and it'll be for me. I wish we could have gone there together. It was a great place yeah. to go. Thanks, Micah. Have you ever? Thank you. Great. What's that? I just wondered if he had ever been to Leadville, Colorado, and seen the um, matchless mine. I uh, never made it up there. I lived in Pueblo, and I really didn't get very far uh, other than Boulder and Fort Collins and Denver and Colorado Springs. I never really made it the other side of the mountains. Okay. Too bad. Next time, go see it, because everything uh, Baby Doe Tabor is there. Thanks, Micah. All right. The woman is left uh, pregnant and trying to fend for herself. Husband has gone back to back home. How did she fend for herself? What did she do? She How did she well, survive? Remember, I told you that her father was a haberdasher, and many people don't know what that word means today, but it is a men's clothier. So he made men's clothing, and she had training in that. So she actually started working for a haberdasher in uh, Leadville, Colorado. So she went from Central City to Leadville. And so she did that for a few months, and she met, at some point, a rich guy. Yes. So she met an old prospector named Horace Tabor, who was twice her age, and he was married. And he had just struck, that year that she came to Central City, he struck the biggest silver mine in history. And now Horace Tabor's history is really interesting, too, because he had been prospecting for 25 years, and he hadn't gotten anywhere with it. And what he did was run a mercantile store with his wife, Augusta, and in all these mining towns, and he kept leaving the store so he could go off and mine, and his wife would get so mad at him because he wasn't there at the store minding, minding the post office. He was supposed to be the postmaster. And then all of a sudden, 25 years later, he struck the biggest silver mine in history. And after that, he became the mayor 
Then he became the lieutenant governor of Colorado. Then he became a U.S. senator. And he and Baby Doe met right when he struck that first mine. And he was really taken with her because she had such grit that she was working in the mine. So he he really saw something in her and she and, and him. And she was and pregnant. She was pregnant and working in the now, mine when they met. Uh, she was pregnant and working in the mine in Central City. And then she went to Leadville. What I skipped over there is she lost the baby. Okay. Which was very sad. But then she went to Leadville and she was working in the haberdashery there. And that's where she met Horace Tabor. So they started an affair, and but that was totally taboo in those days. And she wanted to go back to Oshkosh, Wisconsin, because she couldn't stand having this affair. But he went ahead and got divorced the night before. Actually, his wife filed for divorce the night before his election to the U.S. Senate. And But in those days, of course, we didn't have the Internet and you didn't l- learn all the news so quickly as you do today. And so he went to Washington, D.C., and he became a senator and he took Baby Doe with him. And um, they got married with President Arthur in attendance. Jeez. So that that was a wild story. I guess so. Now. Mention is made of Baby Doe's extreme shocking beauty. Can you describe her? Well, I'd like everyone to come and look at her pictures on my website, which is Rebecca-Rosenberg.com. Or you can just Google Baby Doe Tabor, and you can see that her beauty is Maybe not exactly like we would think of today because she's a little chubbier, I would say. She's a round, beautiful woman with long blonde hair, giant blue eyes. And that's how she got her name, Baby Doe, by the way. The miners nicknamed her that because her eyes were so large that they looked like a baby deer. So they named her Baby Doe. So she was a beauty, and the newspapers raved about her beauty. And again, in those days, they barely had photographs. But you can, if you Google her, you will see lots of photographs about her. And she, the painting that is the cover of my novel is a gorgeous painting of her. And this has been used like on a huge skyscraper in Colorado they have this painting and it was actually painted the the year that she died in 1925 so I check that out yeah I've been while you've been speaking I've been looking at her at her photos it is interesting and this, just as an aside for one period during her life it looks like she had a perm really tight yeah oh my god it looks horrible if, if well, I you know that they called that frizzed hair, and I did put that in the novel. That's that's really a style that all the women were doing, Ooh. where they frizzed their hair up. That's horrific. <laughs> I've, I've just never. That, that's an. I can only say that because we have the luxury of time. Whoa. <laughs> Let's continue now. Baby Doe met Mister Rich. 
Richie Richardson, Mr. <laughs> Mr. T Tabor, he, he he struck the largest silver mine ever. And yes. you said before that he had been just slogging away, like failing, 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 and then he hit, hit pay dirt. Yes, he was 49 years old when he finally struck silver. And he had already been working in the mines for about 25 years. So it really took him a long time. And the only way he was able to do that is he would run a mercantile in these little mining camps and sell supplies. And he was the postmaster. And he was really known for something called grub staking. Have you ever heard of grub staking? It has something to do with claims and buying people's claims or something like that. Um, a little bit. What it is is that miners would come to the store and they would need supplies and food, and he would give them those um, supplies that they needed in exchange for a grub stake in their future mine. Uh. So what would happen, so if they struck it rich, supposedly they would come and share that mine with him, of course, but that rarely happened except one time and that was the that was the biggest mine the first mine that he got and from there he bought hundreds of mines all over colorado and nevada and utah and new mexico and he he really went to town so and was that the, the that, was that the one that was the biggest mine ever well the the first one was uh, really good, but his biggest okay. mine ever is the Matchless Mine, and the Matchless Mine is still available to see in Leadville, Colorado, and it's worth checking out. It's really a cool mine. So his first success really came from an honest miner who he had grub staked. It did. It did. So it came from his generosity because he had grub staked many, many miners, and they never came to share with him. And here these two old German guys uh, came. They couldn't even speak English. Hook and Richie were their names. And he helped them develop this mine, and it turned into a real winner. And he bought the mine from them, so he owned it uh, right out. So, so his, his share, cool. his grub stake share of the mine was enough to buy the mine? Well, he, yes. Well, by the time the mine started going, it was like $100,000 every month. And in those days, that's 25 times that. So he was just hugely rich right away. And then he just started buying up all sorts of other mines and just got, he was the richest man in the country. Wow. And he and Baby Doe were the richest couple in the country, but they were also the most scandalized couple in the country. So I told you that they went to Washington, D.C., and they got married, and the president, Arthur, was in attendance. And all the senators came, because here he is, the richest man, and he was a senator, but none of their wives would come, because it was baby Doe, and she had stolen him from, her, from his wife. And so they sent their invitations torn in half back to her. So she, that was a clue how she would live the rest of her life. No woman would ever talk to her. They shunned her. 
no matter how much money they gave the the state of Colorado and the city of Denver, um, they would always shun her. Whatever happened but to the original was, wife? His original wife was Augusta Tabor, and she was in Denver, and she was a society woman and an upstanding woman, a really good, hardworking uh, pioneer-type woman, and she died a very rich woman because she got half of his money when they divorced, and she kept her money. So the rest of this story gets crazier and crazier. Okay. So the the Tabers go back to Denver, and they built a gigantic opera house that was an entire block long and block wide, and they brought all of the Broadway stars to come and perform, and all of the opera singers. And so since they were shunned by society, all of their friends were all these actors and actresses and famous opera singers like Oscar Wilde from England Mm -hmm. and Lily Langtree and Sarah Bernhardt. And so that is the life that they led there in Denver. And they continued to give so much money away of their riches. They um, were very philanthropic. But then in 1893 was the big silver crash. And I don't know if you realize that we were once, America once had two kinds of money. We had silver and gold. And then the president Cleveland, Grover Cleveland, decided that we would no longer have silver. And overnight in Washington, D.C., he made silver worthless. And the Tabers lost everything that they ever had in one fell swoop of politics. Well, that's weird because silver is still valuable. If I go buy a silver ring, it costs me $172. Yeah, now it is. Now it's gained its value back. But then they they demonetized silver. Wow. So before, before that, remember the silver dollars? Yep. The Morgan silver dollar, if you looked online now, I haven't checked it lately, but it it could be up to like $175, probably the cheapest one you can get. Just one silver dollar would cost you $50. Here, I could just Google it here and see how much they are. That's okay. Yeah. Tell me more about the the people that came and visited them. Sarah Sarah Bernhardt. Did I say did Sarah you... Bernhardt? Wow. She, Sarah Bernhardt was the most famous actress in the country, and she came and performed, and they were very good friends. And also Lily Langtree and um, Emma Abbott was a famous opera singer, and then Oscar Wilde was probably the most famous of them all. And he was from England. He was a playwright. He had written books, and he was an actor. So they would entertain. They would have these dinner parties with all these people. They would. Exactly. They'd have these wonderful dinner parties. And the Tabers had two beautiful daughters who actually, um, one of them was drawn for the cover of Harper's Magazine at the time, And their other daughter, that was Lily Tabor, and their other daughter was named Rosemary Echo Silver Dollar Tabor. 
Wow. I love that name. <laughs> Silver Dollar Tabor. In yeah, your, Silver Dollar Tabor. In your, uh, you know, as you research this, and as you've known Tabor for, uh, in, in a way, for your most of your life, do you like her? Or do you think of her as a harlot, adulterer, and gold digger? No, I don't think she was at all. So gold digger is a play on words. The reason I named it that is because she did come to dig gold, but she, I don't feel that she was a gold digger. And there's a lot of proof in that because she, when Tabor lost all of his money and all of his mind, she was still a beautiful young woman and he was very old by this time. And so she could have had her pick of any man. She could have left him, but she did not. She remained very loyal to him and to their family. And she really managed, tried to help them save their finances. While he, when silver was demonetized, he was an old man and he had to go out and mine for gold. And so he actually, excuse me, left his family and went to look for gold mines in Mexico and Honduras and down in uh, southern Colorado, and he couldn't find any. But she still stuck with him. And finally, this is a very ironic thing, but they were so poor that they lived in one room together. So here they had had beautiful mansions. They had the gorgeous opera house. That seems strange to me life. because say, if you're that rich, you buy stuff, you own it, say you, you pay cash for it, you, you, there's got to be some stuff he actually owned outright. And even though, even though silver is devalued, the stuff that you bought with the silver when it was valuable, you still have all that, the theater, et cetera. What, how did he get so poor that he had to live in, in a one room? Everybody uh, wonders that. But he was a gambler. So he was a gambler his whole life. Obviously, if he was opening all these mines, most of those mines never pay. And so he would um, take loans out, lots of loans. He would put liens on things. And besides the mines, he owned lots of businesses. And so when silver was devalued, they all just collapsed one after one after one. And really because... Like he a, was a gambler. He sounds like a fool. Hey, we, yeah. we need to do one more break here, and uh, we'll finish okay. up. Thanks. It's WBZ. We're here to talk. That's why we're here to talk. Now, what do you say? You know it's all on BZ. Talking with Bradley J. WBZ News Radio 1030. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I know how this sounds, but something me to turn on the radio. No voice on the radio told you to come here. Radio's on busy all night long. You just have to listen. Bradley J's coming on strong. Jay talking. Bradley J. You're up next. It won't be long. WBZ. Can I talk? Talk to you. You gotta call me for the hours gone. 
Let's finish up with Rebecca Rosenberg, author of Gold Digger, The Remarkable Baby Doe Tabor. So thanks for being with us, by the way. Uh, how does this all end up? Um, it ends up in a very ironic twist of fate. Remember that Horace Tabor never liked being a postmaster, but he was so generous during his rich days that he had donated an entire city block for an incredible large um, post office for all of Colorado. And so three years after he couldn't find a gold mine and they were living in one room, his um, political cronies took pity on him and made him the postmaster of the post office that he had donated to Colorado. And that's how he ended his days, working as a postmaster exactly as he started. Very ironic. And how about Baby Doe? What happens to her after he dies? He died, and he told her on his deathbed, the only mine that they were able to save out of all this was the matchless mine. And he said to her, hang on to the matchless mine. It will be rich again. And she believed him, and she took her two little kids, and here she is a widow, and she went up to the matchless mine, and she lived there trying to bring that mine back for the rest of her days. So this is a novel. How did you take the facts and (laughs) and weave them? Well, I was lucky enough to read all of Baby Doe's diaries. So I could, um, and I did that at History Colorado, and that was a great privilege. And I've read all of their biographies and such. And so you really get a feeling for what they were trying to do. And one thing I wanted to address, you said that he sounded like a fool. I think what Horace Tabor and Baby Doe Tabor were is the kind of adventuring spirit that we don't really have a lot of today. And what this book is about is to really get to know those pioneers and those gold rush people from the 18 or I'm sorry, from the 1878, 1880s and understand what this country was made of. You know, we did the railroads all across the country. There was great industry being invented and there was a lot of gold and silver and they're very exciting people. So I feel that they believed in luck and they, and adventure. And I believe that they lived an amazing life with high highs and low lows. So we've, we've been talking about the, the actual history, but you, the book is a novel. What did you, we, add in what sort of plot points did you add in um there are the plot points are pretty much um true it's where where it's novelized is we don't know what they said to each other right right or what they were feeling and so that's where the novel comes in but this novel is pretty much true did horace ever cheat on baby doe did horace i don't think so but I did allude to that 
people thought that he was, and they would write in the paper that his uh, his buddy um, Billy Bush would take him drinking and carousing. But no, I I don't believe he ever did. Did I think she cheat they on were him? Totally in love. Did she cheat on him? Totally. No, definitely not. Okay. <laughs> well, this no, a- they were very true to each other. They they really believed in each other and had a grand love. Well, this is great. It's a it's a type of history that is a little different for us. We do a lot of history here, Rebecca, but this is a little different because of the time period and as you mentioned, the pioneer spirit and the adventure adventuring spirit. So Bradley J, you have to try my other book, The Secret Life of Mrs. London which is about the love triangle between Houdini, Jack London, and Jack London's wife, Charmian. And that is a true story as well. Well, you know what we can do is uh, if, now that I know you, we can do the same (laughs) thing with that book. It's it's an older book, but so what, right? We can can do the exact same thing. uh, Actually, just last year. Just last year. Good. If you want to come on and talk about that, we we can arrange that. I'll send it right on to you. Right on. Okay. Thank you very much. Take care, Rebecca. Thank you. Yeah. It was great. Bye-bye. Bye. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.